Today on the Everything 80s Podcast, the story of the great Yakov Smirnov. I like it here in America. What surprises me that people in America don't know we have comedy in Russia. Russian comedian to American sounds like Mormon wino. <laughs> we have comedians, they're there. They're dead, but they're there. It's hard to do comedy in Soviet Union because you have to write out all your material and you send it to Department of Jokes. And I'm not making this up. Every state in Soviet Union has a department of jokes. They censor your material, they send it to Moscow, where there's a big department of jokes. <laughs> they send it back to you censored. You have to stay with the script. You cannot improvise. If someone heckles you from the audience, you can't say, like, your mother wears army boots. Because she probably does. <laughs> And she will hurt you. <laughs> you have to be very careful what jokes you pick. If you say, like, take my wife, please, you get home, she's gone. <laughs> Hey there, what's happening? Welcome back to the Everything 80s Podcast. I'm Jamie. Thanks for coming on out. Despite the Cold War tensions between the United States and Russia in the 1980s, a Soviet comedian was able to break his way into American pop culture. Yakov Smirnov is a Soviet-born comedian who moved to America in the late 70s. He would find success with his particular brand of Soviet American humor. And that's what we're going to look at today. The now friend of the podcast, I will explain what that means later in the show, Yakov Smirnov. Before we start, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe wherever you find your podcast. I should be there. Here we go. So obviously I grew up in the 1980s and the thing is when it came to late night TV talk shows, we really had only had a few options. Today, there's, there's honestly what, 12 to 15 late night shows you can watch. It's ridiculous. Back then, there was David Letterman that came on pretty late, but then there was the juggernaut of all talk shows, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. So the 80s were also a time when comedy was booming, and The Tonight Show was the place to be seen and featured. Johnny Carson was so powerful that one good performance on his show for any form of entertainer would make them a star overnight. Yakov Smirnov really appealed to a kid like me in the 80s. The humor wasn't over our heads, and he had this friendly, fish-out-of-water, foreign vibe that was not only part of his act, but part of his charm. And I think this was also the big appeal of the character of Balki Bartokamus in Perfect Strangers, and I did a whole episode on why I believe Perfect Strangers was the perfect 1980s sitcom a few episodes back. So if you want to check the past episodes. And I always felt that Yakov Smirnov appealed to a wide range of audiences, like families and kids could enjoy him, even if we didn't know what was going on with the Soviet Union at the time, you know, depending on your age. He seemed to be happy just to be performing and you would always pick up on his enthusiasm. A lot of work was done to scare us off the Russians in the 1980s, and they were made to feel like brutish, intimidating soldiers. Just think Ivan Drogba and Rocky. With Yakov Smirnov, he seemed more like your friendly neighbor. 
So this is a look back at Yakov Smirnov, his comedy, and how for a while he was able to ease some of the Cold War tension. So let's look at this, the early life of Yakov Smirnov. He was born, full name Yakov Nomovich Pokas, on January 24th, 1951. He was actually born in the Ukraine in the, t- in the town of Odessa, right near the Black Sea, but it was then part of the Soviet Union. Life in Odessa was a little bleak, but Smirnov claims that he did not know any different. He grew up in a communal apartment where nine families would live. All nine families would share one kitchen and one bathroom for 20 people. They didn't have a phone or a car, but this was just normal life to them. He and his whole family basically lived in the same room for 26 years. Smirnov got into comedy quite early as Odessa was considered the capital for humor in the Soviet Union. The city served as a port, so a lot of different people from different cultures would make their way through. And they would come in with their different ideas and their different jokes and the humor they had all came into the town he lived. As a kid, Smirnov would spend his time memorizing um, jokes from friends and the, the jokes he'd hear from those around him and from people passing through. And, you know, he'd listen to the odd radio comedy performance and he really just, you know, absorbed all the comedy he heard. The crazy thing is the only jokes they would hear were the ones that made it through the censors. You heard in that opening little monologue bit he had from The Tonight Show talking about this, but this is a real thing. I'd never heard of anything like this. And I'd watched several interviews with Smirnoff, and he explained how there was a real minister of jokes. Every state has a minister of culture in, in Russia at the time, and they had different departments to be able to control everything that was coming through. There was even a department of poetry, if you can believe it or not. So let's look at his early comedy career. Around the age of 24, Yakov Smirnov would perform stand-up comedy on cruise ships that would travel around the Black Sea. But again, he was always at the mercy of the Russian censors. His stand-up comedy acts would have to be approved beforehand by that minister of jokes, and they weren't allowed to talk about politics, government, sex, religion, any of that stuff. I think this is why his act works so well for a wide variety of ages. Since he had to take out a lot of the controversial, controversial stuff, he had to focus on a cleaner, less blue variety of comedy, and this works very well for network TV. It's, it's a lot like Jerry Seinfeld, who could work dirty if he had wanted, but just chose not to go that route. This approach makes you um, find more day-to-day, less offensive, observational humor that everyone can relate to. You may like the most offensive humor in the world, but the simple concept of why airlines hand out such small packages of peanuts can still be found funny. Since Smirnov had no choice but to develop a knack that was politically correct in Russia, it would end up being able to transfer over to a wide variety of audiences and audience range in North America. Let's go back to the cruise ship. So it was around this time that Smirnov says he started recognizing something about America. The cruise ships would appeal to people from a lot of different countries, including English-speaking ones. Smirnoff would act as comedian and MC, using an interpreter to get his jokes across. People in the Soviet Union at the time were apparently not even really allowed to leave the country, and they didn't have that much exposure to foreign people. But he, the, the jokes and the charm of Yakov Smirnoff were resonating with the foreign audiences. So was there an actual possibility of being able to leave the Soviet Union? Smirnov tells an interesting story where he thought he was fired from the cruise ship as he was asking if they would allow his parents to have a cabin for a short vacation. 
a messenger would come to their apartment with tickets for him and his parents for the next cruise. Since the cruise ships were owned by European companies, they did the usual thing of rewarding talent. This did not happen in the Soviet Union, and it made Smirnov think that if he was an above-average talent in another country, he would get even more rewards and things. He would learn that there, this is how countries like America worked, and it planted a seed in his brain. In the late 70s, the Soviet Union was facing its own problems with supplies and had to strike up a deal with then-President Jimmy Carter. Since the U.S. was supplying a vast majority of the wheat to the Soviet Union, it opened up the option of the favor being returned in the form of different types of exchanges. One type of exchange involved the opportunity for people to leave for America. The Soviet Union, however, was doing everything they could to not have people leave. One such stipulation they put in place was that if a younger person was going to leave, his parents had to go too. This was an ideal situation for Smirnov and his parents, and even though it took years, he eventually got a visa. So now he makes his way to America. Yakov Smirnov's mother was hesitant to go, but both Yakov and his father were excited to leave Russia for the U.S., despite none of them speaking English. Their lives were so regimented, and the newfound freedom was a bit overwhelming to deal with. It was 1977, and he and his parents were now living in New York City. Since he didn't speak English yet, he spent his early days working as a busboy and bartender in the Catskill Mountains of New York State. As his English developed, he was able to start working on his comedy. One issue right off the bat was that of his name. Yakov Nomovich Pokus doesn't exactly roll off the tongue and wasn't very accessible for American audiences. He chose the name Smirnov, as not surprisingly, he thought it was something more recognizable and he had learned about the brand name from his bartending days. So if you ever thought it was a vodka-related thing, you're completely right. He had started performing his comedy in the late 70s and 1980s, and then would move to Los Angeles with his father. This blows my mind, but while in L.A., he would be roommates with the legendary Andrew Dice Clay. I need to do a show all about Andrew Dice Clay. And also Thomas F. Wilson, a.k.a. Biff Tannen from Back to the Future. All three of them were roommates, which is nuts. He would begin performing at the famous Comedy Store, where he would hone his craft for the next few years. So finally, he gets his big break. Before he would appear on television across the country, Smirnov got a small role in 1984 in a film called Moscow on the Hudson, featuring another young up-and-coming comedian named Robin Williams. Williams was playing the role of a Russian, and Smirnov would help him develop the proper accent. And again, I don't know how big a fan you are, but Smirnov was in some significant 80s movies, including Buckeye Bonsai, Brewster's Millions, and The Money Pit. I remember seeing The Money Pit at one point. I think it was only around 10 years old or so, so I don't remember much, but definitely remember that scene with the toilet. If you've seen that movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Then I'd say one of his real big breaks was appearing in a 1985 Miller Lite commercial. And I recommend going to the show notes for this episode, the the blog version of this, because I've got links to um, other bits of his stand-up and this commercial and everything. So it's everything80spodcast.com slash Yakov Smirnoff. Or wherever you're listening, there should be a link to take you there, just if you want to see some more of this stuff. So this this is back in the day where, you know, there's only three networks and commercials were really big water cooler talk. Everyone saw big commercials, you know, so this was one that made beer commercials really resonated well. So this is one that connected with a lot of people. 
Then he would start appearing on The Tonight Show, and that really launched his fame. This would lead to other TV appearances, including guest spots on Night Court, if you remember he showed up on that. Uh, then he appeared in the starring role, which was called What a Country, um, perfectly named, and it was a, a Smirnoff-driven vehicle to help launch him. And it was about a cab driver in America studying for a citizenship test, so a little bit of real life meets art sort of combination. You can, again, I got the links here. Uh, you, some of these shows are still up on YouTube. You can just search for it called What a Country. And, you know, like a lot of great American sitcoms, this was based on an original British comedy called Mind Your Language. We obviously all know about The Office, but there's some other ones like Three's Company was based on an English show. And the original Three's Company pilot is like a shot, shot for shot, line for line remake of an old British comedy. So... What a Country debuted on September 27th, 1986. It only lasted for one season of 26 episodes. But the show could have been a bit bigger. It starred the great Don Knotts. It also starred George Murnock. You might know him as Yuri Testikoff in the Marine Biologist episode of Seinfeld. It also stars Harry Waters Jr., who played Marvin Berry in Back to the Future. <clears throat> So most people at first, myself included, had thought that Yakov Smirnov was just playing the part of being a Russian, but he was the real deal. It wasn't a fake accent. That's exactly what he sounded like. And again, it gave a new impression that Russia had regular people just like we did. So with guys like this, what was there to be afraid of with the Soviets? So now, of course, comes the collapse of the Soviet Union. And at this point, Yakov Smirnov's a household name, and he's making a really good living by performing in places like Vegas and Atlantic City. And he was living the real American dream until the Soviet Union collapsed. Smirnov said he was not expecting this to happen, and he was unprepared for the whole thing. He would actually appear on David Letterman that night to appear in a top 10 list. The list was about new things that would happen because of the collapse of the Soviet Union. And number one, read by Smirnov himself, was about how Yakov Smirnov would be out of work. This was obviously done as a joke, but it turned out to be an unfortunate reality. Six months after the fall, none of his contracts were renewed for all those, you know, Vegas shows in Atlantic City. The idea was that since the Soviet Union wasn't considered an issue, the guy telling jokes about it wasn't really needed either. No one wanted to touch Smirnoff, and he couldn't get work at casinos or even small clubs at that point. So how could he find a place that was pretty out of touch, didn't necessarily know the Soviet Union collapse, and he could continue his specific brand of humor? Well, if you've been on YouTube at various points in the last three or four years, you know all about Yakov's dinner adventure in Branson, Missouri. So Yakov took his show on the road and set up shop in Branson, Missouri. You might have seen this sort of ripped apart by Opie and Anthony on the radio show and various YouTube clips. This stuff is hilarious. So for him, for Yakov Smirnov, this was this was the perfect place to lay low and keep doing his act. Smirnov says that Willie Nelson was the one that recommended making the move to Branson. The Yakov Theater was created, and the show consisted of magic, entertainment, and the story of Yakov's life played out in a theatrical experience. This is also, you know, just pure dinner theater at its best. So not only did it include dinner, you're going to have to, if this is all new to you, you're going to have to go on the show notes and just watch this stuff. Um, 
everything80spodcast.com slash Yakov Smirnoff or go to the link in the description or just look up Yakov's Dinner Adventure Theater in Branson, Missouri if you're on YouTube. It, this stuff is too good to be true. It, it's so funny and you'll you'll probably see all the different uh, parody stuff of it. Um, believe it or not, Yakov Smirnoff played in Branson for 20 years. You know, and people have poked fun at the show and everything like that, but it actually has some really great reviews on Google and TripAdvisor. So during this whole era of the Cold War tensions, the, you know, Yakov Smirnov, he seemed to lighten the mood. And that sort of American Soviet humor made its way into politics. Again, I'm not sure how old you are, but you either remember the seriousness or um, maybe remember how there were jokes sort of at the expense of both countries. And Yakov had kind of again people didn't know if it was a complete act or not but there's just this awareness and trying to find humor in a very tense situation and you know he helped take the edge off it a bit and it's fascinating to have watched his evolution into pop culture in the 80s and i i don't think this would have worked at any other point in history really or would have worked as well Either way, this American sort of Soviet comedy was easing the tension a bit and then, you know, slowly making its way into American politics. Yakov would end up going to perform at the White House and meet President Reagan and Bush. Ronald Reagan had really gotten on board with the Soviet jokes, and he loved to find stories of jokes being told between Russian citizens that he would use in his own speeches. He loved to poke fun at them. He loved Yakov Smirnov for everything he did. There's a few quotes here I found from speeches. One's an address that Ronald Reagan made to the company employees at Reynolds Metal on March 28, 1988 in Richmond, Virginia. Reagan explained how there was a 10-year wait for the delivery of a new car in the Soviet Union. It was quite a process to be able to buy a car. And eventually, you know, you had to put up the money way in advance. So here's the joke. This man laid down his money and his, the, the fellow who was in charge said, okay, come back in 10 years and get your car. The buyer said morning or afternoon. And the fellow behind the counter said, 10 years from now, what difference does it make? And the buyer said, well, the plumber's coming in the morning. So uh, I've got another one here. Again, I got links to all these things if you want to see them. This one, Reagan claims to have um, told this joke to Mikhail Gorbachev, an American and a Russian um, arguing about their two countries. And the the American said, look, in my country, I can walk into the Oval Office. I can pound the president's desk and say, Mr. President, I don't like the way you're running our country. And the Russian said, I can do that. The American said, you can? The Russian said, yes, I can go into the Kremlin, to the secretary's office, pound his desk and say, Mr. General Secretary, I don't like the way President Reagan's running his country. And the last one I love, um, another apparently told the Reagan told this joke to Gorbachev. So he said, one of the most recent jokes I heard was about the man walking along the street at night in Moscow. A Soviet soldier called uh, to him and said, halt. So the man started to run and the soldier shot him. Another man said, why did you do that? The first man said, curfew. Well, it isn't curfew yet, he said. I know, he's a friend of mine. I know where he lives. He couldn't have made it. So what is Yakov Smirnov doing today? Turns out he is one smart 
Cookie or uh, Pechenye, if I'm saying that right, he's now a doctor. In the last year or so, he has moved in the area of psychology and is getting a better understanding of things like the science of humor, among many other things. He explained his new journey on the Dr. Drew After Dark show I saw about his interest in psychology and especially the psychology of laughter. And that took him to the University of Pennsylvania to study psychology. Then he got his master's degree at UPenn. Smirnoff decided after that, that wasn't enough, and he wanted to continue his research into the psychology of laughter and humor. He then got a doctorate degree at Pepperdine University. His whole dissertation was based on the law of laughter, and he actually developed a formula of how laughter can be created, whether in a relationship or in front of a comedy crowd. So the idea with the formula is that you need one, complementary opposites. This would be the performer and their audience. Two, you need to meet the audience's needs and they need to meet your needs. Now there's a complimentary exchange happening when the comedian tells a joke and the audience laughs. They are now both exchanging a currency, which is important to both. In this case, the currency is laughter. And three, both need a shared sense of humor. The, the comedy can't go over the audience's head, be too lowbrow, and it needs to be understood by them. These three things add up to laughter. And the work he does shows how this can happen on a small one-to-one scale or if it's a comedian in front of 10,000 people. I was watching a lot of interviews with him. He's truly a brilliant, brilliant man. So as we're winding down, I want to look at a few sort of the classic Yakov Smirnoff jokes um, from various Tonight Show appearances. There's tons, like, you know, ones like, uh, there are no things like American Express. They give you Russian Express. Don't leave home. Uh, I make fun of Cleveland because everyone makes fun of Cleveland. Every country has one city people make fun of. In Russia, we used to make fun of Cleveland. Now, there's, I saw an ad in the paper that said, we guarantee our furniture and we stand behind it for six months. That's the reason I left the Soviet Union. In America, you can always find a party. In Soviet Russia, party always finds you. So finishing up here, it was awesome to go back and dig deeper on the great career of Yakov Smirnov. I love comedy. And when I think of the 80s and comedians, he always comes to mind. He's one of those great regular fixtures you would always see on The Tonight Show and in different forms of media. And his comedy made a long lasting impact as those, you know, in Soviet Russia, which is now known as Russian reversal jokes, were just kind of everywhere. When you go back and watch his original comedy and performances, you can see how he influenced a lot of future comedians. You can also really see where Sasha Baron Cohen got a lot of Borat influences. So, you know, it's really a from Russia with love story. And this, you know, is all based on a blog I wrote. And I actually reached out to him, to Yakov Smirnov on Twitter, and I sent him the article And he actually wrote back and said, Dear Jamie, wonderful job. You know more about me than I know. Thank you for sharing it with me. So that was kind of a mind-blowing thing to have watched this guy and admired him as a little kid and then be able to learn more about him and then connect with him in this way. It's kind of a surreal thing. So I'll, I'll finish it up there. Hopefully you're a fan of Yakov Smirnoff the way I was. If not, hopefully you're interested in, you know, seeing more about him or, you know, looking back or maybe you remember him vaguely or what or whatnot. So hopefully you learned some stuff here. But thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. As I finish, I just want to 
do a quick little uh, reminder about patreon.com if you're looking for a way to support a show like this, something that's, um, you know, a specifically unique topic where I'm looking at, you know, pretty much only 1980 stuff. And, and patreon.com, if you haven't heard of it, is a way for just like a few bucks a month to support these smaller independent shows. But then you get, you know, different audio rewards and whatnot at the different tiers. So I've got the Boba Fett level, which gives you access to the Everything 80s Movie Club where I review um, classic and terrible 1980s movies. But if you want to learn more, just go to patreon.com slash 80s. So it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash 80s. Or there'll be a link again in the show notes just if you want to see more about that sort of stuff or ways to support the show. But thank you for just listening to the show. Just by listening, you're supporting it as there's millions of podcasts out there. So the fact you're taking the time to listen to this one means a lot. But I will be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.